Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Second hour of Sharp Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel, filling in for Patrick. I can say my name, Jonathan Von Tobel. Uh, Amal Shaw and, of course, Dustin Swedelson are here. So, I want to take you guys back. I'm going to paint a picture for you. It's a four point game. Tennessee Titans are driving downfield. But oh no. Ryan Tannehill pass over the middle to the uh, Andre Hopkins. Gets short only for six yards. You got a fourth and six down four with 2.17 left on the clock. Them all. You know what we should do here? Let's kick a field goal to make a four-point game a one-point game. Still trailing, by the way, of course. And then you never get the ball back. What was Mike Vrabel doing at the end of that game? The betters were happy. They were, they were ecstatic, right? It was a great play for the bet. Every single better here. The D, the Titans were screaming. Great. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. No idea what in the world that decision was. And if if it were anybody else, like, for example, let my guy Brandon Staley make that decision. We're not. T- we're talking about it every five seconds. We're destroying the guy. Vrabel, bah, it's fine. That was a terrible decision. I, I'm not saying I agree, but his rationale was pretty simple, and it was that par- points were hard to come by. So his sure. thought so was— Sure, score seven! Hit, well, no, I think he thought, my offense is not capable of seven. Three now, get a stop, three again. So here's—okay— my rebuttal, really quickly, before yeah. you go, would be if you're, if points are at a premium, why? Because both offenses are struggling. So what you're realistically saying is, while I don't think point like we can score efficiently, I do believe that we're going to be able to get a stop and then make another drive downfield for another field goal. Makes no sense. I, I'll give you the counter to that. They had all three timeouts, and the ball was going to be outside the two-minute warning. So in essence, you have what equates to four timeouts, and that one timeout you can save in your back pocket for the defensive side of the, oh, excuse me, the offensive side of the ball. The field goal, it was fourth down and six at the 11 yard line mm-hmm. or 12 yard line. They end up kicking the Foles 29 yard field goal. That makes it 16-15 uh, with 2.17 to go or so. Let's assume the kickoff is a touchback. Now the drive starts at the 25 yard line. Let's assume a net 45 yards on a punt. You're going to have the ball back with about a minute 50, minute 40 left. Let's just say worst and case. easier to get in the field goal minute, range. Minute 30 and with Nick Foles' leg um, 
you need to get about, if you start, if I give him credit for a 45-yard kick and assuming the Saints got five yards on offense, you're basically going to be in a situation where you're starting at your own 25-yard line. You need to get probably about 40 yards. In a dome. Yeah. In a dome. Yes, that allowed you to go 2 to 12 on third downs, have 181 passing yards, and average 4.9 yards per pass. And one other thing, Tannehill had three picks, and he had a, he was 16 for 34. So it wasn't like, like the— Right. Yeah. So, like, my whole point is— if your 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 basic logic is our offense is booty and points are at a premium, so we need to take them when you can get them. But you're down four, and you're essentially saying like you need to go do that if again. Not, I get what you're saying. If not now, when? Yes. If not now, when? And also, it's a lot of pressure to put in your defense, which is limited. New Orleans most of the night has has kept those receivers in check for the most part. Like I know Olave went over a hundred, right? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. One twelve. Like, but they've limited the scoring some. So it's like. Now you're asking the defense to do even more, come up with another crucial stop in a tough spot of the game. I get where you're coming from. I sort of see it his way in being a quote-unquote realist of knowing what my offense is capable of. And I think for him, it was, I can get into field goal range quicker after a stop. And Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Saints were 7 for 16 on third down, which is great efficiency in the game, but they did struggle to run the ball a little bit, just 69 yards rushing. And I always like this dynamic, right? Because, you know, we get into these conversations, and it's always like, nerds, you don't understand football. Who cares about win probability? But I always like it. Like, I always like it if you actually really look at it. The nerds want you to get aggressive. Go, man. Like, you, it's football. Vrabel is all about right? being a man, yes. right? He's, a, he's one of those guys. We're literally saying, go get it, dude. Like, go win the game. Like, go o- get this over done. Over under time, like, Mike Vrabel, like, grabs his junk while he's talking to his team. <laughs> sure. Like, two and a half times a day. Yeah. Like, that's what we do here. Like, go. But it's like, no, we got to take three points. You got to play it safe. And then we'll see if we can get a stop and get the ball back. It was like, oddly conservative for a guy who is kind of a tough guy in the NFL. It was like, you think of him as a guy who on the road would go for two, right? Yeah. Late to go for the win versus trying to just tie a game up. I, so I see what you're saying. I'd argue. I think he is viewed as one of those guys that does add win probability, like on the margins, that makes all the right decisions. And I two. think that was the wrong decision. I. Look, I think at the end of the day, it was the wrong decision, but this is not one that's as egregious as some other ones you see. However, to JVT's point, the other reason why you go for it, if you don't make it and assuming you don't get sacked, the ball is going to be at the 12-yard line. So now, let's assume you don't get a first down, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they got eight yards. Now you're punting from the 20. So best case scenario, they get a net 45. You're going to be starting at your own 35. Or even more so. Again, like you said, you're at the 11. Let's say you you turn the ball over on downs, right? And then let's say you don't give up a single yard. Yep. Let's say you force a quick three and out, and they're punting from that far back. It's all tight. Let's say you're going to tackle for a loss, something like that. Like, there's so many other different factors there. I just, I was amazed by it. Now, the other side of this, of course, is Derek Carr's first game as a New Orleans Saint. And it was okay. It wasn't great. The numbers, I think, on the surface look more impressive than the performance actually was. 305 total yards uh, through the air, 9.2 yards per attempt, and was, as some people say, sharing the sugar. Uh, I think we had about, what, seven guys yeah. with a reception or excuse me, with a target and reception in this game. Let's hear from Derek Carr about spreading this thing out, getting others involved. Today was awesome because the ball was so spread around so much, you know, and, you know, Chris obviously went over 100 and that's fantasy people's favorite thing ever. And uh, he did that for them. But, uh, you know, he, when we can spread it out, no matter who gets the 100, no matter who gets the touchdown, um, you know, as long as we keep that that mindset of big team, little me, 
um, you're, hopefully we'll see a lot of good days for Chris and Sheed and Mike and Juwan and er- everybody. And so um, the fact that we were able to spread it around, everybody made their plays when they were called upon. Um, that's good to see for, as a quarterback because now I can trust them all. You know, now if they're doubling him or they're playing Robert, I can go to this guy. I can trust him to win. I can. You know, it, it helps me with my decision making for sure. Yeah, Chris Olave, as he mentioned, 10 targets, 8 receptions, 112 yards, didn't get a touchdown. PFF gave him an 81.4 pass uh, receiving grade. Uh, Rashid Shahid, 6 targets, 5 receptions, nice 89 day. yards, and the touchdown. Yep. By the way, is Derek Carbon on a hunger strike? <laughs> I mean, dude. well, no, he was actually eating right before the pre- like it walking in the room. He was still chewing whatever he was eating post game. I was like, man, that guy is the starting quarterback for your Saints. Well, here's the thing about Derek Carr for me right now is I want to believe in him because I, 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 I do like a lot of aspects of his game, but he still does Derek Carr things that are tough to defend. There was like a, a third and like four situation where he decided to throw it like 40 yards down the field. And that's like a trademark Derek Carr move. Like, yep. the sticks are here, but I'm going to take a shot. Or I'm going to throw it behind the line of scrimmage. And then you're, you're also like in a, in a spot on the field where like you're going to have to punt if you don't get it. And I'm just like, I don't know what he's thinking sometimes. Yep. But overall, I thought he looked pretty solid in, in his debut for New Orleans. I, I thought he was solid. He'll get better. Uh, Olave and Thomas give him some great weapons they out there. They got real weapons. Yeah, absolutely. But And don't forget – they get the assaulter back pretty soon, yeah. uh, so they'll be even more effective in terms of offensively what they can do. Like Alvin Kamara, for people that are unfamiliar with what I'm referencing. Uh, the one thing is, though, this defense couldn't get off the field for Tennessee. If you go by what Rabel had done, he put them in the right situation. It was second down and 14. They had an opportunity. They give up an eight-yard pass and then a six-yard pass. Uh, I mean, you got to make the play. At some point in time, you've got to make the play. Guys, it's, there's a rebuild about to happen in Tennessee. I'm telling you. And this is part of the handicap, too, because I remember uh, we had a Titans writer on. I don't know if it was on this show or a live bet Sunday. But it kind of got, like, lambasted because it's like, well, you're just assuming that Tannehill's not going to play. And I'm he like, stinks. no, I'm assuming he sucks. He has nothing <laughs> left. And he, and he was. Four turnover-worthy plays through three interceptions, under 200 yards, 5.8 per attempt. He was abysmal yesterday. Do you know when Ryan Tannehill was good? When he had Arthur Smith as his offensive coordinator. Sure. That's very true, but I've never thought Tannehill was good. No, but he was a guy you could scheme up, right? Mm-hmm. And as he's gotten older, he's becoming less and less effective. Like He's kind of a limited guy now back there. He used to rely on his athleticism because he's a former receiver and he could move. They could run the zone read. But he looks old. Hopkins couldn't get separation. Derrick Henry should probably be traded to a contender, get some assets back, and start this rebuild because, oh, by the way, they're 0-1. They have the Chargers. They go to the Browns. Then they have the Bengals. Then they go to Indy, then they take on the Ravens. We're talking about potentially one win before their seventh week bye. This team could start Will Levis in week eight, and the tank could be on. It's music to my ears. <laughs> I would agree with you there. I, you and I talked about this, Dustin. I know JVT and I talked about this. I didn't understand the affinity people had for Tennessee. I, I mean, I, I just last didn't get year, it. Defensively, they checked a lot of boxes, were good yeah. in terms of their metrics defensively a season ago. You can make the argument, though, it was like a perfect season for them defensively, that a lot of things went right for them. And then now here, like this is this is the most. It's the same thing, big picture with the Bucks and why people have their reservations about Tampa Bay. You can have strengths in other areas, but if your most important position, quarterback, is a question, as long and the offensive line too, like then you're not going to go very far, and that's a very big question for Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill works as your quarterback when you have weapons on the outside, you have a really good offensive line, and your defense is great. 
He doesn't work when all those other spots have deficiencies. And right now, they don't have playmakers on the outside. The defense is okay. And Derrick Henry's just another year older. He's still Derrick Henry, but he's not the old Derrick Henry. Nope. You're absolutely right about that. Yesterday, he goes, what, 18 carries for 63 yards at a long of uh, 18. Just not overly, not overly effective when you look at I'm sorry, 15 carries, but 18 was his long rush. Win- windows in the NFL are, are so small. Oh, yeah. And you have to know when it's time to cut loose someone who can't help you win games anymore. And the opportunity to cut Tannehill loose was a couple of years ago. Now, granted, maybe they thought Malik Willis was going to be someone that could allow them to do that last year. I don't know. But they're, they're, they needed to have more foresight knowing that he's limited as a passer. The next game up is going to be tough for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, it's the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. But $1.65 before the season began, minus 165 to win that division. They're only minus 190 now. The other three teams, of course, all lost. AFC South looks like it's going to be even easier for Jacksonville after just one game. I, I don't see how they don't cruise. I think Jacksonville right now, when you look in the futures market, has to be your best bet. Based on just when you look for at For division? Right, or are you talking Super Bowl or what? Division for sure. Yeah. But it, just to have potentially best record in the AFC. Yep. Oh, they're they're going to be live for it. The yeah, schedule I mean, looks great for them. And Tennessee, if that's the quarterback play you're going to get. By the way, 21 you know, to 1. By the way, you know, t- I'm, I'm spending the money already. You know, Will Levis was not active yesterday? Yeah. Well, it was Malik Willis. He wasn't yeah. active. Will Levis, week eight. Will Levis can't play. I'm he just can. telling you. No, he's, he's not going to no, be, no, 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 be the guy. If you have one win going into week eight, you know what you know what Will Levis can do for you the rest of the year? Guarantee you get Caleb Williams. I'm a guarantee because the Arizona Cardinals are going to do their best to get that thing too. Yeah. But maybe you got to trade up from number two. All right, we'll take our break. We're not done. We'll keep going. Uh, it, coming up in 15, we will get to our Monday night previews. As Antoine Staley is going to be with us, New York Daily News, talk a little bit about the Jets and what we're going to see on the field. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you 
straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Get rewarded before you ever place a bet with a G-Bank Visa signature card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G-Bank Visa signature card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a 1% cash reward on gaming and sports app loads every time and 2% on other purchases. G-Bank Visa is a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere and works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to g.bank slash and that's g.bank slash it is sharp money. We are just rolling. NFL is awesome. This is what you do on Mondays. You just talk about what we watched on Sundays. And I have to tell you, here, when I was watching without an invite from Dustin and Mall to go watch games yesterday, I was watching one of the bigger sweats of the day for me because they made it difficult. The Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots. Holy smokes. Can we, can we end that? I felt like it was still going on now when I was walking in. Every opportunity given to the New England Patriots to cover that game by Philadelphia. A lot of sharp people on the Patriots catching four at home. And they really, I, I saw a lot of people I respect giving that out as a play. And I couldn't get, I just couldn't get there because I didn't know what to expect from that Patriots offense. And here's the thing, for all of the closing line value doesn't matter. Well, it does because guess what this number was in the offseason? Five. So if you get out there at the very least, if you got in early, guess what happened? You got to push out of this thing. So what you, yesterday, your takeaway, Amal, watching both sides, watching what transpired, your main takeaway for that game was what? Uh, Philadelphia is a little more vulnerable this year than they've been in the past. Darius laid that big pick six that helped out the team. But offensively, they seemed like they were just a little bit off compared to where we saw them last year. They were fly Philly fly all season long. And then on top of it, when you look at this uh, New England team, I tell you what, man, I don't know where you guys come out, but Mac Jones, to me, just doesn't seem like the most comfortable guy in the pocket. He just seems like, ah, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this, but like it's fake confidence in there. I, I just don't believe it. He's not a guy that I'm looking to run my franchise with. He just doesn't fit this era of football. you got to be able to use your legs a little bit. Yeah. I don't think he's that great of a passer. Whoa, now. whoa, he ran in a two-point conversion. All right, stop. Uh, I also don't love the weapons either there, so it's like one of those things where it's like I do think it's a little bit tougher to judge because Belichick has his obsession with like doing more with number three receivers than yeah. everyone else does with number ones. Like, well. Is it an obsession or, I think I'm allowed to say this, even though he's perfect, um, he has no idea how to scout wide receivers. Well, no, he's, a, he's actually a bad talent evaluator. On if offense, you, he's if abysmal. You, if yep. you look back, he's a very bad talent evaluator. He makes some very questionable draft picks every year. Yep. On offense specifically, like yeah. he just doesn't know what's going on. Well, shouldn't say that. He's one of the best. But, so, but. but for the Eagles, so I don't want to overreact too much to them because I do think there were a lot of games last year. They won a lot of really close games. And I... At some point, that's either luck in, so, in some people's eyes. Also, it could be good coaching. Like, Nick Sirianni understands what he has to do. He's a weird guy. Like, I hear him speak, and I trust him less and less. But I do watch his teams on the field, and I go, you know what? That guy knows what it takes to win this game right now. And he always has stuff in his back pocket for when he needs it late. Well, here's the thing. I think they're a well-coached team, and well-coached teams take advantage of bad teams, right? And yes. so, like, last year, when you have the easy schedule in the NFL, well, you romp your way to a one seed in the NFC that looks kind of 
final week and you get to a Super Bowl because that's exactly what you do when you take on some bad teams. And I think just like another good coach, Bill Belichick, when you get time to prepare, maybe you can stymie some uh, some opponents. And that's what I thought what New England did last uh, last night. I mean, look at this, 4.1 yards per attempt to 4.9 for New England. So they got outgained there. Overall, they got outgained for the day, 382 to 251. We're held to 413 on third downs. Uh, they failed to convert their lone fourth down. And in terms of total first downs, 24 to 17 in favor of New England. I thought Belichick was just kind of ready to go. There is another factor, though, and Sirianni did talk about this in terms of when you look at the rust and you look at what the issues were for this team, you know, maybe it's after not playing in the preseason. I'll definitely, I'll definitely reevaluate some of the preseason stuff next year. Um, you know, you know, the, uh, I know they played the first two years uh, that we, we were here. They only played one series against the Jets in 2022. You know, maybe I should have played them, you know, the, a series or two uh, this preseason. And, and I already wrote that in my notes. And um, I'm constantly self-evaluating myself. And, you know, I, you know, and I'm not promising anything. And I know you all will remember this conversation and play it. Uh, and that's okay. Um, but I have to uh, – I'll reevaluate that. And, and you know – yeah, second thought. If I, you know, if I had to do it over again right now, I would say, yeah, I, I would have played the starters one or two drives in the in the preseason. I think they're also, man, like maybe it's preseason, but I'll give you a stat. Maybe that maybe I'm reading too much into the stat because the Eagles didn't really run the ball that well. In terms of yards after contact, Kenneth Gainwell had 25 yards. He had a big play, broke one, and then he went off. After that, nobody else for the Philadelphia Eagles had more, had more in terms of yards after contact than eight. Like, it was just a sound tackling group who knew what they wanted to do defensively and were in the right spots all over the place. And it also doesn't help when Jalen Hurts fumbles the ball on a run late to give the New England Patriots another bit of life. But I thought they ran into it just a really good defense, and that's what I thought New England was going to be, and they turned out to be just that. Yeah, I, I think things played out a little bit differently than they anticipated. Like, uh, you know, Boston Scott, DeAndre Swift, one carry apiece. I think they want a more uh, approach where they spread things out among those three running backs more. Also, Dallas Goddard doesn't have a reception. One thing that they do very well is work Dallas Goddard over the middle. He's a very good pass-catching tight end. The fact that he wasn't involved in the passing game just leads me to believe they saw things they weren't expecting and had to go to a plan B in a lot of senses. Mm -hmm. I also thought the Patriots, and this kind of is opposing what Mike Vrabel did, uh, um, I thought they should have taken the field goal. Right, there was an opportunity on fourth down and three at the seventeen yard line. They went oh, for it, yeah, yeah, and they would have made the game five points. The reason why I like to go for it when you're down eight, because then that way you don't assume you're automatically going to make the two point conversion. So many times when it feels like a team needs it to tie, they just aren't able to do so. And I thought that was maybe a missed opportunity there. But overall, I thought Philly got out of the bug, you know, out of the block strong. To me, New England it will be competitive in a lot of yep. games. But I just don't know if they have the consistency on the offensive side of the ball to overcome situations when they need it most. Doesn't Belichick feel like a guy who's like stuck with a family he hates and a wife he hates, <laughs> and he should just divorce them and start over somewhere else and not ruin someone else's like life? <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like he's ruining everyone's life there right now. Yeah. I know he made them all happy, and he he quote unquote has leeway because of all the rings. But like he feels like he's not having fun, they're not having fun, and he'd have a lot of fun just starting with a blank slate. Like go to Washington, take over the Commanders, let him rebuild. Build that and start fresh. Or he feels like, you know, like sometimes like I went over to, to my dad's house, right? And, and he needed help setting something up. Like, and 
you know, you used to be able to do that, but now like you can't, man. You gotta, you gotta yeah. at least let other people help you a bit more. And you might have it in certain aspects of your game, like coaching up a defense. But when it comes to drafting, evaluating, and putting together an offense, like maybe you just shouldn't have that much control anymore. Like just let me help you, old man. Like it's gonna be fine. <laughs> and also, like Mac Jones throwing fifty-four times a game is not a recipe for success for that team. No, no that was surprising. Not. That was surprising. Yeah. But I mean, that front's so good for Philly. I mean, you just you kind of got to drop back and let it happen. So New England's got a big one coming up because they do have Miami next week. Miami offensively looked <laughs> tremendous. Uh, that was awesome. Most impressive o- offensive explosion of the day for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's a question. On a low-scoring day, too, I yeah. mean, nothing offensively really sticks out outside of what they were able to do. On the road. Yep. I mean, I guess LA is not the most. It's still across the country for them. It's oh, not exactly stop. a home field advantage. They, oh, um, oh, this big comfy chair that's probably got a massager in it. This I, is I such, just saw an article. So hard to drive for the fly from huh. Miami to Los Angeles. I just saw an article where there was some sort of campaign going on where there was a bunch of seats that were taken up by AI robots, not even human beings. I swear to you, I'll get it for you here after we hear from uh, okay. <laughs> so let's, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, let's, let's hear about this offense because I think, you know what, Tua was good, Tyreek Hill was better, and as he said, you saw it yesterday, he fears no man. I always feel like that. I always feel like, you know, nobody can, you know, guard me. You know, as, as a competitor, I mean, I feel like if you ask anybody in our room, you know, they'll say the same thing. Can't nobody guard me or them or just... I just feel like that's just a competitive mindset, you know. I want the ball. Well, I, that sounds kind of like, you know, crazy. But, um, yeah, like I just feel like can't nobody guard me. 11 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns, and he is now 50-1 to one to win MVP. To promote the upcoming film, The Creator, AI robots roamed the Chargers stadium so far, and they were sitting in seats. Wait, AI rope, but AI doesn't have a physical form. How are, how are they roaming? Artificial intelligence absolutely can have a physical form. They are robots, and they're run by AI. Artificial intelligence. Oh, okay. I mean, those are more like cyborgs, I think. Mm. I'm going to look up the definition <laughs> of a cyborg now. Well, well you ever seen iRobot? It's I, have, I have not. Horrible movie. That's such a good movie. Horrible not my movie. cup of tea. Was that with Will it's, Smith? It's one of those guilty, you know what it is? It's one of those guilty view pleasures where like if it comes on, it's not particularly good, but I'll watch it. Cyborgs, I think, are combos of humans and robots. Uh, okay, okay. That makes sense. I thought it was an Android. All right. Well, I'll tell you, whoever's playing defense in the secondary for San Diego was, or for the LA Ooh. Chargers <laughs> was all of those things combined because they were bad. Um, you know, you brought up a point just a second ago. You said two was good. Tyreek was better. Um, you, what about this Chargers defense? I was a little bit disappointed. I thought they could have made some plays at times. It just, I mean, it's like, hey, you want to go deep? Go right ahead. Wait till next year. That's the motto for the Chargers <laughs> defense every year. They add new guys, and every year it's still the same thing. They can't stop anybody. As I've said before, the complaints for Brandon Staley should not be about his game management. I thought that was fine. It's it's about the defense. Yeah. You're a defensive-minded guy. He's a defensive yep. coordinator. You should be able to get this thing at least somewhat average. By the way, too, I'll just say it again. It's only one game. But what was the thing we heard about the offense all year for Justin Herbert and the Chargers? Downfield. Average depth of target was supposed to go up. Seven and a half yards, average 6.9 yards per attempt. Like, get aggressive, man. You're one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks out there. All right, we'll take our break. Let's get to a little bit of analysis when it comes to Monday night. Antoine Staley is going to join us, talk about the Jets when we return here on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
VSIN.com, a lot of great stuff up there that includes the betting splits data. If that's jam, you can check out money and bets for every single game, updated every five minutes as well. It's for today's games and future events. It's another way VSIN's here to help. Check it out now at VSIN.com. Wanted to add one more point to the Herbert conversation we were having or telling you guys off of the air. Because, again, the whole deal was supposed to be, hey, man, not even just your average depth of target them all, but just a slightly more aggressive offense. Yeah. Justin Herbert in that game against the Miami Dolphins, when you're looking at, like, passing depth, it wasn't overtly aggressive. And you just – it's you got to look at this and go, okay, is this going to change uh, as a whole? And that's going to be the real question here. But I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see if this thing's going to be a little bit different. But you just wanted a little bit more. When you have, uh, I think, what was it, 22 – of his pass attempts, were either behind the line of scrimmage or up to nine yards, you just want a little bit more aggression. There's no question about it. And to me, I don't know if it's his personality or lack thereof in terms of what he's able to do. You just want some guys that are a little bit more fiery in certain situations. And it feels like Herbert lacks that a little bit. But overall, a tremendous passer, tremendous talent. This is a tough loss for the Chargers because the one thing in the AFC, anytime you're playing an in-conference game, you need these wins, JVT, because you might be facing off against a team that is going to be a head-to-head for a tiebreaker scenario, whether it's for the conference record or just getting into the playoffs as a wild card. Yep. So one of the things that you, you generally like to look for, right, are maybe some market overreactions the next week uh, from what we saw the previous week. And you don't want to read into too much. And, and you want to really look at everything as a whole and make sure that you're not taking too much out of something that was there. So I bring that up because we haven't really focused a ton on this one. But the Green Bay Packers were like a non-sweat for anybody who had to go in there better, right? They went 38-20, were comfortably ahead the entire time. But I thought more of that win had to do with Chicago and its ineptitude as opposed to what you saw from Green Bay. You know, I was making the argument yesterday, Maul, Jordan Love threw, left quite a few throws out there on the field for Green Bay. This thing could have gotten uglier for the Chicago Bears had Love been on his game. And sure enough, you look at some of the numbers. I know that, you know, I like PFF. You look at some of theirs. Only had a 57.7 passing grade. Jordan Love did. Um, he only completed 55% of his passes on the day. Love needs to work on some things. And also, one of the quarterbacks that was responsible for a vast majority of the pressures upon him, he was holding on to the ball way too long. No question about it. Um, what I saw out of Jordan Love didn't bode well for Green Bay, but when you look at that team overall, the other 21 players were outstanding. And I think the Bears' defense still has some areas to improve on JVT, and I think that's where they were able to take advantage. Um, you talked about it. This talent is still there on Green Bay. You look at it, it was effective in terms of what they were able to do. But for me right now, Jordan Love's got to get better. Remember, out without a couple of ga- crucial guys there, uh, no wants in the lineup, no Romeo Dobbs. But for me, uh, I'm just not convinced that the, he's the guy, but I still think Green Bay can overcome him. Well, the defense was awesome. Yeah. Like, the defense looked really good. It was insanely talented. It was part of the reason why Field struggled. I know that there's a, a lot of people on Chicago who are kind of throwing Eberflus under the bus. We talked about this a little bit earlier, where we don't think he's really a, a great option as a head coach. That offensive line still has a lot of problems. Justin Fields' offensive line? Yeah, absolutely. If you look at the pressure numbers, he was under pressure on 26 of his 49 dropbacks yesterday. Yeah. That's that's abysmal. No, you're absolutely right about that. Correction, one thing Dobbs did play yesterday. I'm sorry. Uh, Watson yeah. was out of the lineup. But, you know, to me, you're right. He, he's just under too much duress. You saw him taking off and running in situations. Uh, I thought he was pretty effective on certain throws. It, it's just overall, as you alluded to, unless this team gets better from an offensive standpoint on the O-line, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You're not going to be able to survive. When he was the best Fields, uh, it was when he was blitzed, at least yeah. here. Uh, he was blitzed on 16 of his dropbacks. He was 9 of 11 on those, 96 yards. Also threw a touchdown. His lone touchdown of the day was against the blitz, Justin Fields. So. Were, were you surprised that the Bears let Montgomery go? 
Yeah, it, only in that. Like, I just think you need as much talent as possible on this kind of team. And, I liked and, him better than Herbert. Right. And I, I'm, I'm really wondering if that's going to be something that kind of running backs aren't going to be something that changes it. But I just think if you're a team that is really pressed for talent uh, at all levels, and yeah. yes, you kind of got a little bit better in the offseason, you just want as many guys who can be effective with the ball in their hands as possible. And I think Montgomery is one of those guys. Yeah, I would agree with you there for sure. So Fields and the Bears, as we look forward here for them, I'm going to be fascinated to see if the market kind of snaps back here a bit because if you saw the opener, how about this? This has been pretty fascinating. Certain spots, uh, as we kind of look ahead to what next week is going to be, certain spots have look-ahead lines. The look-ahead line for this game was Chicago minus one and a half on the road against Tampa Bay. They're now catching three next weekend. That's, that is a correction. Yeah. There's no question about it. Um, I was impressed with the competitiveness that Baker and the Buccaneers showed. Uh, they went out to compete. They seemed like they were the more dominant team throughout yep. that game. When you look at this Bears team, I, I don't think the final score is indicative as how of how dominant Green Bay was. I thought it was, I mean, it was really a larger margin, almost felt like, uh, for the way the game played out. But doesn't mean the Bears played incredibly poorly or horribly where you can't build on some things. I think the question mark I have with this team is, though, can they get the offensive line and can they get the defense to even give you a couple of stops? I mean, it wasn't just that Green Bay was scoring. It was how open guys were. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there were some plays where guys were just wide open. Yep. Well, and that's like going back to what I talked about, like with Love, like you left a, quite a few out there. Yeah. There was a, there was one, it was kind of like, a, you know, a, a, a an out, or excuse me, an, uh, a go route up the seam to his tight end that he completely airmailed it. Uh, that could have gone for at least an extra 15 yards or so. Like that was going to be one that could have made it ugly for him. And while he was okay, like better teams are going to make Chicago pay more in certain instances. And maybe Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are that because you still have really good skill positions there. No question. And to me, I think when you look at, you know, Mike Evans, think about how good this guy's got. He's got a chance with a thousand yard receiving uh, this year, thousand yards receiving to become the first receiver in NFL history to go 11, I think, what, 11 straight seasons with a thousand yards. He's incredible. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, but outside of the couple of years with Brady, he hasn't had court, uh, consistent quarterback play. Let's see now what they can do with him and Baker together. Uh, but I, I still feel like the Buccaneers are going to be more competitive than people have given them credit for coming into the season. All right, so let, let's talk about the Buccaneers' opponent because we haven't we mentioned this in Survivor conversations, but we haven't really focused on the team that everybody had circled as the top regression candidate outside of maybe the New York Giants. It was the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings go out there, they lose the game outright. Kirk Cousins numbers look good: seventy-five percent completion, three hundred forty-four yards, two touchdowns, does throw an interception as well. Uh, but ultimately, your offense as a whole can do, I'll say next to nothing all, uh, against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. The takeaway from Minnesota as we look at this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is what? I mean, if you look at it statistically, they outgained them 369 to 242 uh, in terms of total yards. Yards per play was at 5.9, which is a really, really good clip. But when you're committing turnovers, you lose two fumbles, you throw an interception, that's going to be an issue. And ultimately, you put yourself behind the eight ball and you lose the game outright. Like, I feel that I don't want to overreact to the loss for Minnesota going forward. Well, there's one area that was statistically glaring for me, and that's the running game. 41 yards rushing. Yep. It's not going to get it done. You don't have to be a team that's running the ball like the Tennessee Titans, but you You've got to get a little bit more production out of the running game. And I don't think it's necessarily completely on Alexander Madison, who goes 11 for 34 in the game, JVT. But more importantly, they just don't seem to have a situation with the offensive line that can run the ball consistently. Uh, I tell you what, if this team becomes one-dimensional, even though Cousins, as you alluded to, 33 for 44, great completion percentage. But other than that, um, I don't think you can be so
so unbalanced and be successful. Market initially is pushing in on them, though. So we saw this open seven and a half for Thursday night football against Minnesota. Now it's down to seven. So again, not a massive push, but at the very least, better's coming in and taking the hook off of that number against Philly. Well, it's a big number. It's a, a team that's now going to be in a little bit of a desperate situation. Now that we have 17 games, you don't have necessarily the traditional statistic to use where when a team starts 0-2, they really struggle to make the postseason. I think this is a crucial game. A couple teams with some games that are very important. Philadelphia taking on the Minnesota Vikings, you alluded to. The Kansas City Chiefs traveling on the road to Jacksonville. The Cincinnati Bengals also with another opportunity. They're going to need to bounce back as they take on the Ravens at home in a mm-hmm. critical division game. So these are just some teams you start to look at and say, hey, these are, the expectations were high. Where are they at and what are they going to do? I think uh, those are all things to consider. I'd argue throw it on the list after losing at home to an AFC opponent. Now you're going to go on the road and take on Tennessee. Chargers are looking at a really big one in week two. Are yeah. you not? Like that's, that's another conference opponent that you would assume is maybe, at least at this point, you don't want to overreact. I do have a bet on them to have the worst record. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be there. But you would assume Tennessee is going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. You can't lose another game to a potential wildcard team. I would agree with you there. I'll tell you what, the early three and a half with uh, Tennessee catching them at home, I would take the Titans here plus the points. I think Chargers can win the game, but I don't want to lay four points on the road going into Nashville. I think Titans have a great opportunity here. By the way, I did. I, I guess you want to call it an overreaction. I did make one bet for week two. Green Bay on the road, Atlanta. Sorry. What's had, the line? Had to pull the trigger. Uh, laid one. Ooh, that's a cheap price. Um, for me, you cannot be one-dimensional and beat the Packers. Sure. You, you're just going to try and run the football? I mean, Desmond Ritter, what are they worried about? Him giving up three-yard outs? Yep. Take them all day. Three, three yards. That's a little far downfield for him. <laughs> when you're four for four for a touchdown and no yards, it's, it's a little aggressive when you're talking about taking shots three yards downfield. No, it's just a period. And it's even like we just talked about, I wasn't enamored with Jordan Love's performance, but I was so down watching Atlanta get a 24-10 win that was nowhere near representative of what actually transpired in that game. I'm willing to lay a point on the road with Green Bay. Let's do it one more time. I, I think it's worth the risk. I think there's certain situations, you know, people like, I think sometimes you get, and you talked about this the other day, uh, we were off air, you go paralysis by overanalysis. And that's exactly what happens sometimes. And I think many of us may have gotten sucked into that vortex with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That game was over about 15 minutes yep. into it. Green Bay was not um, part of the model for week two. You can find out about that on Tuesdays when we update the journal. When we come back, though, take a look at Monday Night Football at Sharp Money here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. The NFL season underway. You can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHARP to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL bet. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code SHARP. The crown is yours. Monday night football quickly approaches. Aaron Rodgers already out at the stadium getting ready to go. Antoine Staley is with us here. NFL Jets reporter columnist for the New York Daily News. Nice enough to give us some time, give us the Jets perspective on things. Uh, Antoine, thank you very much. So let's just start. Uh, the vibes, the energy, obviously the debut of Aaron Rodgers, excitement that football is back, uh, and then the somber remembrance of what today is. What's the energy like out there in New York? Uh, I mean, I think people are excited. Uh, definitely you know, some optimism was surrounding the Jets. Of course, when you when you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's been a four-time MVP, former Super Bowl MVP, uh, and winner. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, the Jets fans are, you know, believe that they have they finally have an opportunity to not only make the playoffs and in their 12-year drought, but also contend for a Super Bowl as well. Yeah, uh, Antoine, last year the Jets gave up less than 190 yards passing per game, third best in the National Football League. How good can this pass defense be? And they'll be challenged early on tonight here by this Buffalo offense. Well, I think I think you have a chance to be uh, top five offense. I mean, top five defense once again. If you look at their defensive line, I think they're as deep as anybody you know in the NFL. Maybe uh, besides the Eagles, 49ers. There, they have a variety of pass rushes led by Quentin Williams, who ended up having 12 sacks a year ago, and I think that also helped. You know, the secondary. Obviously, everybody knows about South Gardner and what he was able to do last year too. But they also have two other good corners and DJ Reed and also Michael Carter the second who I think is very underrated as a slot corner so I definitely think they've also shored up their uh, secondary excuse me uh, with by uh, starting Tony Adams over LaMarcus Joyner who was a bit of a liability last year so yeah I think uh, the pass defense could be you know just as good if not even better this upcoming year. When you look at this team and what they want to do from getting after Josh Allen, what do you expect a game plan to be? Will they go after him with an extra pass rusher? Uh, will they be comfortable rushing for? Because one of the things we saw pop up last year was that Josh Allen was facing teams and they weren't really blitzing anymore. They were just rushing for and dropping everybody back. Yeah, Robert Sala and uh, Jeff Albrook, the defensive coordinator, they're 
they they just like to just rush four basically and just drop seven. So yeah, they're they're not going to blitz unless it's like a possibly they need to you know feel like they need to on certain downs. But yeah, they feel comfortable they can get to uh, to the quarterback with you know just four, and they were able to do that last year. They sat Josh Allen a total of eight times between the two matchups there, and Josh had a really tough time against the Jets defense in both games, even though they they split the meetings last year. So. Yeah, I imagine the game plan to be the same, too. Just feel like they're going to be able to rush for and, you know, be able to meet the uh, players at the quarterback. Antoine, let's talk about this Jets offensive line for a second here. Mekhi Becton feels like he's missed just absolutely every time the last couple seasons. And then Dwayne Brown, what is he, 38, 39 years old at this point, both of them playing tackle. How good and how effective can this line be for an injured Brees Hall, Davin Cook? I know Minnesota didn't think enough to re-sign him. And then, of course, a new quarterback in Rodgers. Well, I think, you know, I think they'll be better uh, than what they were. Last year, they ended up having started 11 different offensive linemen, which led the NFL um, in that category. They just had a ton of injuries, you know, including Brown. He ended up missing five games there, four of them, you know, to start the year last year. I think, you know, when he played, he was really good. And basically, he played last year, 12 games on one sh- with one shoulder because he played with a uh, torn rotator cuff the entire year. Ended up getting surgery on that in the offseason. It feels like, you know, it's kind of a brand-new shoulder for him. And he only gave up one sack a year ago. But, yeah, it's fair to question that, especially with his age. You typically don't see offensive linemen play to their 38 years old, which he is now. And Beckton, yeah, he hasn't played in two years, basically. He hasn't played a regular season game since, you know, suffering that first knee injury against Carolina two years ago. So, yeah, I think it's... I think they're going to be better than what they were a year ago, but, you know, I think the jury's still out about how good they can be. And if they are effective, you know, I definitely think that could be a significant boost to their running game, which I think they're going to rely heavily on tonight. So with Aaron Rodgers now under center, just overall, what, what, how different does this offense look? Are we talking more of a skew toward passing? Are we talking shots downfield? What are some of the changes in the offense we're going to see out there now that Aaron Rodgers is in control? Uh, I mean, I think it's going to, yeah, I think they're going to have, I don't know if you're going to see necessarily any changes in the personnel. I think, you know, really going to run like 12 personnel, two tight end sets a lot, kind of what they did a year ago. Also, I mean, you got Nicole Hartman. I think, you know, he's a bit of a net factor in that offense too as well. I think against the Bills, I think they're going to really uh, stress the running game a little bit more, especially when you go out and get a guy like Dalvin Cook. Because as we saw with the Bills, you know, in their losses last year, they had, they had an inability to stop the run, and it showed, they definitely got smacked in the mouth against the Bengals in the divisional game. So I don't know if you'll see as many, you know, deep passes as some people might predict, especially when you go out and get a guy like an Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I definitely think, you know, you'll see, see some of the same concepts that they used a year ago. But, yeah, you might see more deep ball shots you know, especially um, in a game like this. Antoine, when you look at the Miami Dolphins and what they did yesterday, the offense looked electric. Can this Jets offense not necessarily be as good as that one, but how much of an upgrade can fans and people expect compared to what they saw last year with Zach Wilson, where it seemed like they were punting on every fourth play offensively? Well, I mean, I also covered the Dolphins back in the day, too, so I'm definitely familiar with them and what they were able to do against the Chargers yesterday and Tyreek Hill, oh, God, like, he's like the X factor, it's like the secret weapon in NFL right now. I don't know if the Jets are will be as good as that, especially considering they have two. I think they have two number one guys in Bottle and also uh, Tyreek Hill, and obviously Tua just had a superb game. And I don't think they need to be. I don't think they need to have the crazy good offense like the Dolphins do, especially with how good their defense is. But you know, I think Garrett Wilson is uh, primed to have a much better year than he did even last year, winning the uh, offensive rookie of the year. You know, you, you know, I think upgrade the wide receiver core. 
you know, getting hard, man. Also, Alan Lazard, somebody uh, Aaron Rodgers is familiar with. And I definitely think, you know, I think this can be a possibly a top 10 offense this upcoming year, wow. especially what they're able to do uh, on the ground game and also through the air. Antoine Staley with us. So you you mentioned um, Garrett. Uh, you mentioned Garrett. So how is this connection between Garrett Wilson and Aaron Rodgers? Because he is a very popular bet to win Offensive Player of the Year this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think Garrett is going to in line for a really big year. He ended up having over 80 catches with Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco. He was two three quarterbacks last year. Now you get a guy that. You know, a former MVP in this league, still playing at a very high level. I expect Garrett Wilson to probably have about 100, 110 catches this year. Uh, I don't know if he'll have a, over 150 targets, but I definitely think he's going to uh, prime to have triple-digit catches this year for sure. Antoine, not taking health into consideration because you never know when players are going to go down or what the extent may be. How do you see this team finishing in this division? I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna win the division. I do because I think with their defense and now you you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers. There. They were they were to play. They were contending for a playoff spot last year up until the very end with like in that quarterback play. Now you add a guy who's like I say, it's accomplishes Aaron Rodgers still. Like I say, he might have had a bit of a down year last year, but that down season would have been good enough to get the Jets to the playoffs, I believe, last year. So you add him. Uh, with the weapons they have offensively and defensively. Yeah, I think they're probably about a three seed in the AFC. I don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. I think Cincinnati, despite you know their bad loss yesterday, uh, still, for me, I'm going to pick them to get to uh, Las Vegas in January. But, yeah, I definitely think the Jets have an opportunity in the AFC to surprise some people. Antoine Staley, New York Daily News. All right, uh, we'll get you out of here on this then. What do you expect to happen tonight? I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think both of these teams play each other well, know each other very well, similar styles. They both very physical defenses there. I think the Jets win probably by still go 20 to 17, and it's going to be a close game throughout. Antoine, we appreciate some time. You can follow Antoine on Twitter at twin Antoine Staley. Find the work at the New York Daily News. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you all. Take care. Thank you. you. Got it. I wanted to make note of this before we got out of here, too. Um, the market in terms of where we're at for this game. The last couple of days of all, we saw kind of a push toward Buffalo, right up to two and a half. Totals down to 44 and a half after opening up 37, or should be 47 and a half. There are a couple of one and a halfs out there and a few twos popping up at faraway places. Would assume that maybe by the time we get the kickoff, who would you deem a public side here? I feel like it's Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, right? I, you would think so, but I still think Buffalo uh, carries a lot of cachet based on what Josh Allen and company have done the last couple of seasons. Rodgers wasn't particularly uh, Aaron Rodgers-like last year in Green Bay. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. For me, JVT, this is a one-sided bet. I love the Jets in this spot. I think they're going to win this game. Uh, I just think they're a more complete football team. It felt like that loss to Cincinnati exposed Buffalo a little bit. And even though everyone had high hopes for them in the last couple of years, for some reason, I just don't feel like they're going to get back near that top of uh, the mountain. Well, I'll tell you this. John Von Model's going for 5-0 and with the Buffalo Bills. Ooh. And I was texting with Mitch, and when we put the card in, it's the play that I hated the most. So... It felt like it was one of the bigger edges, and it just felt like it wasn't reading the game right. So hopefully, I mean, maybe we'll see. Maybe the Bills will come out and roll them, but at the very least, uh, rooting for JVM to have a, a perfect weekend in the National Football League. What do you got? You're nodding away. I've been leaning Buffalo okay. because I want to buy the post hype on them, and I, th- I have a theory that the Jets could get off to a slow start. But I also have this funny feeling if I definitively say that, I'll be on the air tomorrow saying, yeah, I was wrong. Aaron Rodgers came out firing on all cylinders. So I, I'm a little torn on this one. We'll get the Bills' perspective in the third hour from Matt Perino of Syracuse.com. Bills beat reporter. Don't go anywhere. Sharp money. 
With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.